Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Be Healed podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hannett. Great to be with you. So glad that you are joining us today. The Be Healed podcast is all about equipping you to be able to receive the promise of God to heal you. This means physically, mentally, emotionally. God wants you whole. The Bible describes that his covenant causes us to lack nothing. And so this is great news for you that God is for you and he desires to touch you. A few episodes ago, we interviewed a gentleman by the name of Gary Ingram, who was sharing about how the Lord brought him out of a fully immersed gay lifestyle. And we tackled the idea of same-sex attraction. And Gary shared his story with us about how God healed him, how God brought him into a fuller understanding of true love, true joy. And today we're going to dig a bit deeper into the topic of homosexuality and the gay lifestyle and try to tackle the question of, is anyone born gay. This is a very needed conversation and we're inviting you to hear some perspectives on the answer to this because there are a great many people struggling in their life right now thinking that they've been born a certain way, that they have no choice and when they hear the Christian story that uh, homosexuality is sin and they think they're born that way, they struggle. And so we're going to unpack this issue a little bit. Again, I want to welcome Gary Ingram. He's the founder of Love and Truth Network. He travels the nation teaching and equipping people in understanding these issues. And I just I love his heart because we're coming to you today, both Gary and myself, with a heart to help, to cause you to think and to bring you to a place of freedom. And even though this topic is very, very controversial, uh, it's one that we need to speak about openly. And, and Gary will tell you himself, it needs to be done, especially in the Christian community, for us to understand these issues. Now, I do want to let you know that we did have a small technical problem uh, when we were remotely recording this podcast, and we did not get the first few minutes of our recording. But we did begin to consider the question about whether people could be born with same-sex attraction? Uh, do, do they come out of the womb with a genetic or a DNA-based uh, predisposition for homosexuality? And when we began to discuss this topic, Gary uh, was sharing that there is essentially no uh, substantiated evidence that there is a type of genome or genetic marker or uh, some sort of uh, indicator uh, that sexual orientation is something that is passed down physically in our uh, lives or in our family lines. 
Nevertheless, it's very, very common for our culture to um, make statements that people are indeed born this way. In fact, many people uh, have reportedly uh, shared that as they begin to make their um, sexual orientation uh, known, that they will say that it's who they are, uh, that they did not choose it, but that they were made this way. It's, 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 it's not something that they consciously chose. So the big question is, is that indeed true? Or is that something that we've been led to believe? Now, Gary quoted uh, some research um, done that substantiates or supports the evidence that it is not how people are made but that there are other things that will influence that and cause that. So we also discussed the idea that it it is not something that people are bound to, that, that they can indeed discover so much more about themselves, their identity, and God's creative design through forming a relationship with God's love. So let's pick up the conversation with Gary again as we dive into this topic a bit deeper. Yeah, so Gary, I think that the um, the very grace of God gives us a choice. I mean, God would never put something in his word and say, this is uh, something that's going to bring harm to you and then right. never give us the choice to be free from it. Uh, David, King David in Psalm uh, 51, he says that he was basically born in iniquity. He, he understood that, that the original uh, nature of sin was with us. And so whether it's stealing, lying, adultery, heterosexual adultery, homosexual proclivity, uh, cowardice, all these things are sins that are mm-hmm. part of, of what the Bible calls the fallen nature. In other words, it, it's, it's the, it's the view that we don't start out good. We, we start right. out bent away from God. Um, you know, the logic, which I think is just so good to bring out is to say, if we ask somebody who steals, why did you do that? And they came and said, I can't help it. I was born that way or heterosexual mm-hmm. adultery, which is all too common that they'd say, I, I have no choice but to cheat on my wife because I was born that way. In essence, genetically, no, but spiritually, the propensity of the old nature is to sin. And so, Gary, right. talk with us about, okay, God is giving us the choice and he, he's giving us this choice to, to be made new. To, to talk, talk with us about that. Well, absolutely. I mean, if we don't have the choice to be made new, if we don't have um, the, the ability to really turn to God and look to him for, um, for transformation, then, I mean, then we really are in a hopeless situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I do want to comment on uh, as someone who grew up in the church and oftentimes heard uh, the, uh, the question of, you know, is homosexuality inborn or is it a choice? 
that is a that is a binary question, frankly, that is actually the wrong question. Uh, it only leads us. It, it doesn't take into account the complexities of those um, of the struggle and what people are going through with that. So to 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 boil it down to an either or question um, really misses the mark. So for many people who have heard that question being asked and have heard the church say, well, it is a choice because we do believe in choice. So, for example, let me just say that. Um, we have we absolutely have a choice about what we do with our bodies and the actions that we take. However, homosexuality or transgenderism or any of those things or uh, I mean, any number of, of desires, we, we discover that we have those. It isn't as if uh, we woke up one day and said, oh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and be gay, you know, and I'm going to uh, certainly back when it was a, a very unpopular thing uh, to experience. Nobody was doing that. And, or to be transgendered or any of those, what what happens is is we realize what we're feeling. We we uh, over the course of time, and um, and then we have decisions to make on what are we going to do with those feelings? Are we going to surrender those to Christ? Are we going to? And I think this is another important thing that's often missed. I was so frustrated in the church. I be, I became so bitter and angry with God, even hateful toward God for years because I felt like my only source of of supply or hope or help was in him and which ultimately is true but but the body of christ plays a huge role in in setting people free and i i love how jesus bears reveals that even when he calls lazarus from the dead he's the one has the power to call lazarus from the dead but then he tells community to go and unbind Mm. him and i think you know that is a great example of how when James 5.16 says, um, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you might be healed. Um, most of us want to keep all of these deep, dark secrets to ourselves and God and not let anybody else into that space. And But it's absolutely essential that we choose. You know, we have a lot of choices we can make. We have to choose to push through the shame, to push through the fear, to push through the pride, and to find some safe others in the body of Christ who will walk with us, who, beca- who can become um, a band of brothers around us. We become part of their band of brothers. If you're a woman, you, you're looking for a few sisters that where you are fully known and fully loved. And, and, and God uses this band of brothers, band of sisters. He uses the broader body of Christ to be a conduit of his grace in our lives in a way that I never understood growing up in the church. I, I utterly constrained and cut off the, the majority of the power that God wanted to release in my life because he releases so much uh, grace to us through the body of Christ. And I wasn't experiencing that at all and totally frustrated. By I, it. I, I love I absolutely love what you're saying. I, I believe right now that that so many people who have struggled with homosexuality have lived underneath such a shame, such a stigma, such yeah. a rejection from the right. church that they're looked at as 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 just horrible, horrendous people. And and mm-hmm. this is the opposite of what Jesus does. This is the opposite of what yes. grace does. God is saying to all people, you are separated from me. You have been born with original sin. You, you, you need to allow me to give you yeah. a new nature, a new heart, a new mind. And I believe it's unfair that we isolate the sin of homosexuality as worse than other sins. In fact, there's such yeah. a hypocrisy. Uh, I know in the male community that when they look at two men together, they may shake their head in disgust and say, uh, you know, uh, just slanderous remarks. 
But in the pornographic world, they'll pay right. to see two women conducting mm-hmm. sexual acts. This It's the same right. sin. And so there's a hypocrisy mm-hmm. that's cultural, that's spiritual, and we've got to move away from it. And, and I want everyone listening to this right now that that Jesus is the perfect representation of the love of God. And human beings mm. fall down. We make mistakes, and people in the church have made mistakes. But the grace of God, and this is great news, we're not, we're not left without hope. The goodness of right. God, the love of God, gives us the chance to believe in Jesus, that Jesus Christ, if we allow him, which is a key thing. If we allow God's love to penetrate us, yes, he will remake us. And the Bible calls it in John chapter three, being born again, that he will make our spirit mm-hmm. new and, and he and put his perfect design and anything that was crooked, anything that was deformed will now become in alignment with God's love and created order. And so what do we see, Gary? Yeah. We see people who have been in all different walks of life and all different forms of sin, able to what do what the Bible calls repent. And that's a changing right. of the mind, a changing of the heart that says Jesus is Lord and now our behavior ensues. And so uh, you, you spoke about this idea of process. And I'd like to just talk with about that a little bit more because you're speaking that 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 it comes from God. It comes from love and support from the church community, um, but there, the devil is still tempting us. And and uh, right. t- talk with us a little bit a little bit about that because I'd like you to de- develop this idea of okay, we're born with a nature that's bent away from God. God makes us new, but now we need to stand in it. Talk with us about that. Right. Yes, we now need to stand in what God's done. Well, and I, um, I, I do want to comment on that, but I want to back up and, and just touch on something you just said a, a sure. moment ago as well. And you mentioned it a couple of times, rightly so, that um, it first comes down to this understanding that we have a nature that's bent away from God. So the first issue that we have many times in communicating um, is that many within the church, certainly many um, outside of the church, believe that we're basically good, that we actually, um, uh, that we, our nature is fine in and of itself. And so um, that when, from a biblical worldview perspective, though, when we know that, no, we actually are born in sin, we actually are born with a nature that's bent away from God. There's something that we need from God to, to, to restore that. That is a very different gospel. It's a very, that's the true gospel of the scriptures. That's a very different gospel than many, than much that's getting preached today, even in evangelical churches that, that really are more of, um, well-styled Ted talks that um, that simply uh, uh, promote the idea of kind of making ourselves a little bit better. Um, and, and the truth is, no, we need to die to our flesh and we need this new life yeah. in Jesus Christ. That is a radically different and yes. foundational yes. gospel than much of the popularized gospel that's going out today, even in evangelical churches. And to highlight that. Um, even the the use of the word grace, absolutely so thankful for for um, the reality of grace. But Titus chapter two um, in verse eleven says this. Paul says this to Titus: For the grace of God has appeared, 
bringing salvation to all men. And we love to just put the period there and, and be like, oh, we're just so thankful for that unmerited favor and that grace. But he goes on and says, and he's referring to grace when he says this, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, mm. righteously, and godly in the present age. That is what grace yes. does. It isn't just this mere niceness. It's the other side of the coin that we have to realize grace is empowerment. It, it instructs us to live godly and righteously in this present age. And so coming into a place of that, and you talked about um, repentance, and, and absolutely, and I think a core aspect of repentance is surrender. It's this full surrender, like, God, I don't know how I'm going to live out um, a, a new life and a righteous life before you, but I'm giving it all to you. I'm laying it on the table. I'm, I'm letting you nail it to the cross with Jesus Christ. And in that, God is able to do something to transform and resurrect um, his life in us. So the process is, is, is what I just described, I think, is a big part of the process is coming to a place of recognizing I have no hope apart from Jesus. And, and in the true gospel and in understanding what grace truly is, I do have empowerment. But then, as I said earlier, we don't just have empowerment that, that is um, between us and God alone. It, there's, a, there's a symbiotic relationship between me and God and the community and the body of Christ. And I need to make use of the ways that God has called me, such as confession of sin, when is the last time that we've had regular, ongoing, a lifestyle of confessional um, uh, of confession to our band of brothers or our band of sisters? It's almost non-existent in the church, and yet it's the normal Christian life that God calls us to. So I think that's an essential part of of that process. And then just being in relationship, experiencing being loved by other men, I began to realize what I longed for more than anything else wasn't to defile myself by taking my clothes off. I needed to be with men um, who who loved me and cared about me and weren't going to use use me or allow me to use them. We there was an emotional bond that began to form as brothers in Christ that um, that 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 was healthy and and really strengthened one another. And I think that those are essential parts of the process, whether whether it's men or women struggling, we need we need um, walking partners. We need people with us in the journey who know us fully. And, and that's an essential piece that I see missing in all across the U.S. as I'm teaching and preaching on these topics. Oh, so important. And this is this is this is going to call for a massive shift in the culture yes. of the church. And a, a massive shift yep. in how people who are in a homosexual lifestyle look at the church. Do they look at it as a place yes. where they can work out these issues, where they can talk through them, where they can get prayer, where they can get yes. love? Or are they just going to get yelled at or, or are they just going to get condemned? Right. And I, 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 we're in such agreement with this because God, Jesus himself said he did not come to condemn the world. Right. He right. came to save that which was lost. And, and, and the truth is that so many people are suffering with so much bondage in so many areas and they aren't talking about it. And we've had people right. confess in, in our church environment as we're intentionally creating an environment for people to be transparent that, that mm. healing does flow. It does flow. And they do understand, wow. It's almost like this. Instead of being told that they need to be another way, 
The love of God is actually creating that awareness that says, Lord, I'm being drawn to you. I, I, I'm desiring mm-hmm. what you desire. And that deliverance is ha- from, from anything corrupt or anything defiled is coming as a, as a kind of a, 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 a uh, as a consequence of, of the love that they're feeling from God. Uh, so this is a right. massive shift that has to happen. And, and, and I, 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 I really believe that it, it's a beginning and, and the, the, the word surrender that you're sharing, I, I want to speak to a group of people that, that we need to talk to today, I believe. And that's the people mm-hmm. in church who consider themselves yes. Christians who consider who right. who may say, but I've been born again. I've got the Holy Spirit within me, and I still struggle with that. And I I, I believe that we've got to talk about this idea of standing in what God has done and, and uh, share mm-hmm. your perspective because the word of God says, we've got to take off the old man. We've got to put the new yes. man on. Uh, talk with us a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, how to do that and what that means. Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up, um, Steve. It's so true. A lot of people, uh, when they hear our story and even, even when we say it multiple times, uh, say something counter to what they think multiple times. They often still think of our ministry as being about helping those within the, w- that want to come out of the LGBT community mm-hmm. or want to strengthen their relationship with Jesus out of that community. And certainly that's true for those who desire that. Um, but we, our bigger area of ministry is within the heterosexual population in the church who are, have been devoured by, um, uh, by pornography or who have experienced sexual abuse as girls or boys and have never processed any of that. And oftentimes that leads to other forms of brokenness that leads to brokenness in relationships, difficulty in really forming bonds with their spouse, uh, with their kids, sometimes with others, uh, and oftentimes leads to sexual sin as well and, and ongoing patterns. But there are so many within the church. I know so many pastors that are, um, are wrestling and have been wrestling for decades with the pornography addiction or some other form of sexual sin. So it really is a rampant mm-hmm. issue in the church, just general sexual brokenness. And um, but the reality that we do have to uh, be willing to take God's prescription for healing. You know, we wouldn't get a prescription from our doctor for uh, as cancer medicine and then just take an aspirin and say, well, you know, what's mm. the difference? And, and, and yet when God gives us the prescription of community and the need to humble ourselves and to face our shame and to and to really um become integrated. I mean, we, we don't experience healing as disintegrated people. We don't experience healing while we're projecting an image of a good false self to everybody around us, which is what most of us do in the church. We want to put our quote unquote best foot forward. But when we, when we do that, what we're really doing is casting a false image because we're keeping all of the struggles, all of the sin, all the other stuff in the background and pretending that that's not a part of our lives and what we're wrestling with. What God is calling us to is, you know what, you've got to have that safe place and, and Steve, I love what you're saying about your church because our primary ministry um, goal as, a, as an organization is not to just, I have no interest in going in and preaching or doing a weekend ministry event or um, you know doing all kinds of conferences and just leaving and then having the church go on to the next thing. That's such a waste. What you wind up doing is you wind up ripping off all the scabs and all the all the um, all the the places where people are wounded and broken in their sexuality and in their identity. And they think, well, maybe we're going to actually do something as a church. And nope, we're not. We're just going to go on to the next thing. And and what we desperately need 
is to shift the culture, to shift the environment of our church for everybody, not just for the few you know, really broken ones that we might cheer and applaud that we have uh, applaud that we have a program for the really broken ones, because the truth is 99% of us ought to be in that program, you know, in the church. So, so it really is about um, learning to humble ourselves and seek God together and, and, and make space for one another, not, not make space for sin, but also at the same time, not put people on our, on our human timeline for when they should be getting over whatever it is that they're struggling with. We're on a journey together. I loved what you said about, um, how the love of God, the love of God compels us, you know? And I do think that there's a time when, um, when we, part of discipleship is using words. Part of discipleship is life on life discipleship. It's not only sitting and didactically communicating truth. It, part of that's true, but it's about life on life yes. relationship. And when I've earned the right, when I, well, who was it, Maxwell, that said, um, people don't care how much you uh, know until they know how much you care. Until I've earned the right by relationship and by loving others well to speak into their life, I really need to keep my mouth shut and and just learn how to walk with them or how to share my own story. Be vulnerable about what God's brought me through to give them hope about the possibility of how he can meet them as well. What I think surprises a lot of people is uh, what it teaches in the book of Hebrews, that Jesus was tempted in yeah. every way like us, which mm-hmm. it's difficult to wrap our head around this, but that means that Jesus was tempted with same-sex attraction. He was tempted with homosexual thoughts. He was tempted with transgender thoughts. He was tempted with pedophilia. Tempted, never bowing to it. But if he, if he was tempted in all ways, he had a barrage of temptation against him and his relationship and who he was, his identity was so locked in God as the son of God, but he was still being tempted the way we were tempted. And I Mm -hmm. believe that people need to understand the compassion that that gave him that he was therefore not a high priest who wasn't touched. He he walked in our shoes. And for the homosexual uh, 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 lifestyle, the person engaged in that, Jesus knows what you're going through. He has compassion for what you're going through. And the culture that you're talking about creating in the church, the shift that we're discussing, for me, is a language of compassion. It's suffering with, it's not judging, it's not pointing a, pointing a finger at it, it's saying, hey, we, we, we mm-hmm. see where you're at. We're not better than you, but we're going to walk through it with you. And I believe that's something about Jesus that people need to know. He's not pointing a finger and saying, thou shalt not. He's saying, I walked in your shoes. I became a man yet without sin. I was tempted mm-hmm. like you, but I walked it with victory. And so you get this perfect balance that Jesus is with them, but he's not of them. He's understanding them, but he's not partaking in the sin. 
What a savior. This is why he could be called our deliverer, our savior, a compassionate shepherd that has power to lead us out of those things. And that's why he was also misconstrued as a drunk and a glutton, a friend of sinners. Of course, he was a friend of sinners. Uh, And I think the distinction where uh, people could maybe stumble or wrestle even over the, the what you rightly described as Jesus being tempted by all things, according to what Hebrews said, he didn't have the same issue of an inward uh, sin nature that pulled him in that direction. But he certainly experienced the outer temptation of, of all of the things that we've experienced, according to what Hebrews said. It, it didn't have that same, he didn't have that same issue of a, of a sin nature, obviously, sure. that we do, but he still experienced it coming at him. And so therefore, um, he doesn't approach us with a, with a hammer to condemn us as I once thought he did, uh, but rather he approaches us and, and says, yes. And the other thing I love about what Jesus uh, exemplifies is he so, he laid aside so much of his own power and his own authority to um, to live under the power and authority of the yes. Holy Spirit, which which now we have that same ability to live under that power and authority. And it really is about us um, uh, letting the, the new man or the new woman rise up in authority over the flesh. The flesh is never going to be um, rehabilitated. It's impossible. But what happens is when we feed the new man or the new woman, when we have that band of brothers or that band of sisters, it empowers us to have authority over our own yes. flesh and to put it in its place that it belongs in so that it doesn't have tyranny and, and authority over so us. Good. And, and this is why this is why hope is just abounding in the Christian message, because not only does God come to us with yeah. gentleness, with kindness, with empathy and compassion. He comes being the one who successfully overcame every temptation. Yes. And he says, okay, come to me, surrender. I will make you new. Now, the same Holy Spirit you're speaking about that was with Jesus in Matthew chapter three, the spirit of God descended upon him. That's showing what happens in the born again life. That same spirit yes. is now upon us. And I believe that now the ministry moves from God, uh, transforming us from the inside to saying, I am going to now teach you how to live according to the divine nature that I've enabled you to be partakers of. And this is so powerful because no matter what the sin is, no matter if it's heterosexual or homosexual, God says you could live according to my divine nature. And thereby we have now come to the place. It says, yes, we can choose to live bowed. We can choose to live feeding Mm -hmm. off of the strength of God. And this is where the Christian can stand in the victory that is of Christ. And so I would would sum it this way, and I'll, I'll let you end with a few closing words. One, it's God who comes for us. It's God who yes. makes us new. It's God who fills us. And it's God who enables us to continue to walk in his grace and truth for holiness. It's his work, his power, his supply. It's he who said, be ye holy in in Peter. Be ye holy for I am holy. He didn't say act holy. Mm -hmm. He said, be ye holy. And it's him and him alone, his work his provision, his power that enables that. 
And I believe so many people have been trying to do it in their own strength, falling, becoming discouraged, and living in patterns that are not who they are. Yeah. So let me, yes. Gary, let me turn it back over to you and, and just share any, any mm. words that you'd like to share to, uh, to the listening audience today. Well, I was struck by a couple of things you were wrapping up with, um, Steve. One, I was reminded that what you're describing a little bit ago is it really is the abundant life. I mean, I used to think that that was a pipe dream. Mm. I used to think that God sold me a bill of goods, you know, that when Jesus talked about the abundant life, you know, there was no such thing for me, maybe for others. But that was a lie on my part. That was I was believing a lie. I was believing the enemy. And uh, the abundant life isn't in um insisting that that I have an identity that has to be upheld uh, as as I act out behaviors that are actually sinful or for that matter that I hold on to a an identity or hyphenate a, an identity to my Christianity even if I don't act on it that somehow that identity is still uh, that that's apart from my Christian walk or apart from my sonship in Christ uh, um, in the father that that's somehow supposed to be a part of my life so the other thing I um, I wanted to mention as you were wrapping up too, is one of my former pastors that the pastor that was at the church that was so profoundly helpful for me in my journey used to often talk about, uh, speak to us about the need for us to make use of the means of grace and uh, the means of grace being like all, all things, all good things flow from the father for sure, but there are means of grace. And, and so being in the word and, and reading the word and knowing what it says, and that's where we understand the foundation of truth. Uh, we are easily deceived, and it's in the word that we recognize what is true, uh, what God has revealed to us. And uh, so, and also in prayer, the, the, one of the means of grace is, is prayer and communion with God. It's, it's prayer individually, it's prayer with others. Um, and then also another means of grace, which I've already mentioned a couple of times, but it's the one that we tend to avoid most, I think, because of shame and fear and pride, is that means of community. That while all the power, all the authority, the, the, the life flows from Jesus, flows from the Father, flows from the Holy Spirit. It, it so often flows through these means of grace, of being in the word and being in prayer, being in prayer with others, but also building those deep community relationships with that band of brothers, that inner circle uh, that we have to have in our lives. And I find that to be the place we, where we are most um, confounded and most resistant within the church of having those kinds of tight knit relationships through which such power is released in our lives when we're willing for those uh, to cultivate those relationships. So good. So good. You know, to summarize this, it's all going to begin with receiving Jesus. In John mm -hmm. chapter one, it says in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I want to speak to everybody listening right now and watching that Jesus loves you and he's calling for you to believe in his name, to receive him as the son of God, not a religion, not a church service, but that Jesus himself is God's plan to bring you to him. The father is looking for you. The father is drawing you. He does not want you to feel condemned. He wants to give you the life that he 
desires, the one that he authors, and he does that by making you new. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. God will give you new eyes, a new mind, a new heart. Yes, it is true. The world calls sin good. It calls evil good and good evil. It it does not have the heart of God. This is the time that God says, will you take my offer to see what I see for him to give you life? It's going to give you life. It's going to give you everything that the Father's love desires. But you have to receive Jesus as Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Confess all sin, including the homosexual behavior, but all other sin. Yes, all of it to him. Ask Jesus to forgive you. Tell him you believe that he's the son of God. Ask him to give you that eternal God life inside of you. He's going to do it. He was waiting for you to ask him. He was waiting for you to receive him. And then as you do that, receive the forgiveness of your sins. And as we heard today from our brother Gary, you need to get to a church, one that truly has the heartbeat of the father that will embrace you, that will walk with you, that you're able to get the comfort, the guidance, the wisdom, and the love lifestyle of healthy spiritual relationships with people, that God will cause you to become established and root you and ground you and build you up in him, that you may grow in his grace and his truth. Great things are coming to you. Let's do it. Let's pray right now. Gary, would you pray for those people who are listening, for them not only to receive Christ, but, but that forgiveness and, and that, that, that to be established in him. Yep. Father, I do thank you for this opportunity. And I thank you for those who are listening or watching this. And God, I do. I, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is moving on hearts that, that you Lord are stirring and that, uh, you want to stir up hope. You want to stir up, yes. uh, uh, a way out of, um, of the, a life that is actually not fulfilling. Uh, they may have started out uh, feeling that way, but it, it, in the end, it winds up enslaving us. And so, God, I pray for any um, men or women who are, um, who are experiencing those things, who actually long for you, who want you. Lord, thank you that Steve mentioned earlier what is so true, that you have been pursuing them before they ever pursued you. You were pursuing me before I ever pursued you. And I didn't even see you there uh, doing that. And so, God, thank you that you were the, the one who, the great initiator toward us. And so, Lord, we do um, just thank you for those who are surrendering their lives to you for the first time, who are recognizing that they need a savior. Um, My salvation prayer finally was that um, I've made a complete wreck of my life, Jesus. I don't even know if you want what's left of me, but if you do, you can have it. And Lord, I pray that there would be those who would um, would echo that, that would be really ready to surrender, not even knowing what that's going to look like or how uh, you're going to work with them or walk with them through their temptations or desires or what have you. But Lord, I also want to pray for those who have been in the church, who are listening to this, who have been dealing with a pornography addiction for 50 years or 40 years or 20 years or some other area of um, of of struggle, of addiction, of um, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's uh, unforgiveness. Um, Lord, would you, maybe it's self-righteousness. God, would you open up hearts to recognize how desperate they are for you and that you actually do have 
um, a pathway for them out of this place of bondage and out of this place of double living. It's so miserable. As James says, uh, that a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. It's so miserable to live in that place of one foot in the church and one foot in, in sin and addiction in the world. So God, would you open up hearts and minds to, to receive you, to, em- to embrace the hope that you're putting before them and the new life, God, that you want to give them. And, and they'd find that, um, Walking in the presence of community, walking with other brothers and sisters would be one of the means of grace that you're calling them into. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I want to encourage everyone who's been struggling, reach out to us. You can do that. Send us a message. Tell us what you did today in receiving Jesus. If you need help, if you need prayer, if you need people to stand with you, to just love you, if you need a place that you know you're not going to get Uh, judged, but you're going to get loved, reach us, Mm -hmm. reach us. We'll put you in touch with people and we will uh, uh, get you the help and and love that you need. Uh, You could do that. Just send us a note to contact at everyhousenow.org. And also get part of our mailing list, get, get part of the community. I want to send you a free gift. It's a free e uh, pamphlet about uh, identity. And I want you to get that. We're going to send that to you free in a PDF form. Just text the word healing to 94,000. Just text healing to 94,000. Just go to your text, to your texting application right now on your phone. Just go there and where you'd put the phone number, put 94,000. And where you put your message, put healing and hit send. It'll walk you through a process and you're going to get that email because you need to begin understanding God's vision for your heart, your mind, your whole life, and your destiny. Well, again, my name is Steve Hannett, host of the Be Healed podcast. The Be Healed podcast is a production of the Every House Ministry, and I was with Gary Ingram today of Love and Truth Network. Gary, once again, thank you so much for being with us and sharing uh, these wonderful truths. Absolutely, Steve. I so appreciate you having me with you. Amen. All right, everybody. God bless you. We look forward to talking with you next week. Thank you for listening to the Be Healed podcast today. I'd love to connect with you on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Hannett, and you can get a lot of our latest information and announcements there. Also, would love for you to know about our TV program called The Miraculous Life. It airs on Sid Roth's It's Supernatural Network, also known as ISN. You can go to their website. You can download the app ISN on your phone and you can listen to it also on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash Steve Hannett. There's amazing teachings and testimonies of God's power healing people and breaking through. Truly, he calls us to live in his grace and peace. Well, until next week, may Jesus Christ lead you, guide you, and establish you in the fullness of his grace and power. Be sure to share this podcast with someone who you know it will bless, and I look forward to talking with you next week. God bless you. Be Healed is a production of Every House a church network whose mission is to contribute to the work of the Great Commission by reaching the lost, establishing churches, and cultivating leaders throughout the world. If you'd like to give a tax-deductible gift to support this ministry, 
simply visit our website at stevehannett.com and click the donate button. We thank you in advance for your prayer and support.